Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Razor Crest into the bay of Mon Calamari. Oh, it's not Mon Calamari. It's it Trask. It just, it just happened to be a lot of Mon Calamari living on that planet. Hey, this is Garth Means Rule of Two, the, your very own Star Wars podcast where we break down everything Star Wars. We're doing, obviously, Mandalore Season 2, or Man- the Mandalorian Season 2, and we are reviewing... The last episode, The Heiress, episode 11 or episode 3, season 2, depending on how you want to call it. Uh, as always, my name is Amino Hassan. I'm joined by a producer and Sith Apprentice, Anthony Mays. I forgot what your first name was. I was like, what's Mays' first name? Is it John? Is Darth it- Mays. Darth Mays, there you go. This is the episode I think you were looking for. Last week, Mays was kind of nonplussed. He felt like it was a slow episode. He felt like it was a filler episode. This one certainly ratchets up everything considerably from a storytelling standpoint, from the standpoint of the Mandalorian's uh, quest to return the child to the Jedi. And most importantly, if you are a Star Wars nerd, this one was Easter egg heaven. And this ain't even Easter egg. These are like dinosaur eggs at this point. Oh, man. They're huge. They're not that hidden. <laughs> you know what it's like, Amaze? It's like when you go to a, a music festival to go see, you know, a big act. And you know they've got several, like, collab songs. Like, you know, Beyonce featuring Justin Timberlake, whatever. And so you're there to see Beyonce. But here comes Justin Timberlake on the stage just to do this one song with her. And then he walks up. And then there comes Jay-Z. And, and you're like, oh, this is way more than I bargained for. I thought I was just getting Beyonce. But I'm getting all of these great artists that collab with her. That's exactly what this episode was. It was nonstop. Just nothing but the hits coming through. Uh, especially if you're the type of Star Wars fan who loves 
Mandalorians, the Mandalore culture, the Mandalore history. Uh, they brought back everything here. So, Maze, where do you think we should start? Should we just point out uh, some of the fun little things, or should we jump into the story? Let's start with the story. It was only 35 minutes, which I also appreciated. It was super action-packed. I didn't think they wasted any time. Actually, no. There's one time they wasted. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Synopsis, obviously. Uh, Mando and the frog lady and the child, they have to get to the planet of Trask. That's where the the frog lady's husband is. That's where the other Mandalorians are, right? Yeah, apparently, they're on that planet of Trask. The the Razor Crest is a piece of shit at this point. Oh man, what a jalopy! Oh, it's, I mean, it is it is gone. It has seen better days. So he's got to try to land, despite not having the landing gears or the, the the automatic landing, which I guess is a fixture in most Star Wars. Uh, spacecraft. We never really talk about this. We just see them land very nicely on these platforms. Turns out... Yeah, none of these pilots these days can parallel park, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It, remi it reminds me of... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, people who drive stick shift and then they switch to automatic. It's like, oh, you know, like, no, you, they look down on the rest of us automatic drivers. And it's the same <laughs> thing here. This dude, so he's got a basically free fall all the way down and then at the last moment hit the thrusters to slow the fall and go in for a nice controlled gentle landing the problem of course is at the last minute one of the engines blows out flips the razor crest falls right into the water as a mon calamari which is if you don't know what a mon calamari is Think of Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. Think of Admiral Raddus. All, all of the lobster-looking dudes from Star Wars, they're called the Mon Calamari. Uh, and there's one guy who's just kind of like an asshole just sitting there watching all this go down and not panicking at all as this thing almost crashes and then floats and then ends up crashing in the water anyway. I laughed at that. They got me with that because he came so close. He got 99% of the way to landing this yeah. <laughs> maneuver. Uh, we see a crane that looks suspiciously like a repurposed AT-AT. Uh, this should come as no surprise because, as we know, in Star Wars from The Last Jedi, turns out, like, just like in the real world, they're not actually making their own weaponry and, and vehicles and stuff. They're just going to third-party contractors. So third-party contractor might be making some civilian-based uh, uh, machinery that is very uh, similar to what the Imperial Army was using in terms of AT-ATs. That crane pulls it out of the water. Uh, Mando pays the, the, the Mon Cal in, you know what the name of the currency is? The Calamari Flan. Calamari Flan. That's my favorite currency. That was an Easter egg from season one because yep. one of the jobs he got offered, I think, was only paying him Calamari Flan. He's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? That's a, that's a, a funny thing for me of, of the detail that they hit about post-Empire galaxy. How do you pay for stuff? Because Imperial credits are no good, or at least no not good everywhere. And then you got the Mon Calamari Flan. And of course, you've got the Beskar, which still apparently attracts a lot of attention everywhere he goes. So uh, the the frog lady finds her frog husband. Yes. Such a rom-com moment. They see each other at the end of the docks. 
and they're reunited and baby Yoda didn't eat all of their children. And it was just, you know, good for them. (laughs) Exactly. Mando and baby Yoda go to a, a, I guess a tavern uh, where another Mon call points him in the direction of some corn, a corn or another aquatic looking species from star Wars. They were introduced in return of the Jedi, but also have made, several appearances throughout the Star Wars universe. Uh, they say, I know where, where it can take you. Put them on a boat. We get this great shot of a boat going across the water. Uh, Maze, uh, I was wondering, how do you think they, they shot that? Because I'm sure I that know was they just have the volume. volume. Yeah. But how do they get the, the... The splashing? The splashing and the under part. And the, the especially when you consider such a long... Um, like it's a long zoom. It starts from afar and then it zooms in over the water to where we see them on the ship. I know how they can simulate the ship moving and the, the background is is quote unquote real through the volume, but I was just trying to figure out how they got the water to look like that because it was very realistic. Well, I was watching a few of the behind the scenes things after we talked about them in the first episode and the volume is pretty large. I wouldn't be surprised if they could have gotten a water tank in there. Oh, yeah. And just have the deck of the ship in a tank and then still have the volume around it and do it like that. Shout out to a budget. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, that was, the, that was the most interesting episode of the behind the scenes by far was just Favreau trying to explain how how it works essentially. And, you know, it combines like the VR of gaming for the camera with the LCD screen perspective. And it's really, it really is something. It, it, he's not joking when he says it's the future. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you think about everything that CGI and green screens have been for filmmaking over the last 20 years, it blows it out the water because all of that, the actors have to guess their environment and guess like what, where they're standing, where they're, where they are. And with the volume, because it's not just a a blank screen, you actually see what you're supposed to be seeing. So when Mando's on that boat, if this is indeed shot in the volume, he can see the waves and the horizon and the clouds and all that, uh, Pedro Pascal, the actor. So it, it really is, you know, like, I don't know how expensive it is, but at some point, I think we're going to see more and more of that because it's, it's, more responsive and more kind of real-time reaction than green screen, but also it's not as expensive as location shooting. Let me ask you a quick question because there's a rumor that Pedro Pascal doesn't have to show up to work every day because they just have stuntmen do a bunch of his scenes. There's a lot of stunt work and stuntmen are wearing his stuff. And to be honest with you, he, Everything he does, he's got to do voiceover work afterward. So he's saying his lines when he wears the mask, but because the, obviously the audio is terrible, they got to go back into uh, a, a recording studio and he's got to redo the lines um, so that they can get the clear the clear volume. In the same way that David Prowse was the man inside of the Darth Vader mm. mask, he had to say all the lines, even though his voice wasn't going to get used. It's just so that the actors, the other actors on the scene are all reacting to 
actual dialogue and not blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> have to kind of figure it out. I do think they do a good job of giving Mando a character kind of just from his physical movements and reactions and stuff. Yes. He tells the kid to behave and he doesn't go into detail, but he kind of like lets him know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's funny because when the kid looks at the, the, you know, he's left alone and you see him staring at the eggs. You're like, Oh no, you don't want a, a, an international incident happening uh, while Mando's out later on. So, uh, anyways, the, <clears throat> turns out the coroner pieces of shit. They just want to rob Mando for his Beskar. They all look like Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. They do look like Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. So maybe he looks, uh, the maybe they ripped that off of Star Wars. They absolutely ripped it off of Star Wars. Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Mando and the child get pushed into the Mama Corps. It's a trap. The Mama Corps is a new creature this is like it was actually like the uh the sarlacc but i guess it lives in water but it looks very similar to it mando looks like he's about to die and then who should come save the day but a bunch of mandalorians with jetpacks they shoot everybody they save everybody they, they let him go and she takes the helmet off and mando is shocked and Offended, and he said, and he basically assumes they're not Mandalorian. But we are revealed to see it is Bo Katan. This marks, I believe, the second character in Star Wars canon who started as an animated uh, character and is now a live action. After Saw Gerrera and Rogue One became the first, we get Bo Katan, who was all up and down Clone Wars. And also Star Wars Rebels. Maze, you know what I discovered today? Tell me. That the actress who voices Bo-Katan on the animated shows... Katie Sackhoff. ...is the actress who plays Bo-Katan in live action, which I thought was a very nice touch. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Pretty staggering that she looks a lot like Bo-Katan. <laughs> which led me to believe, let me think, you know what? Maybe more animated shows should do this. Yeah, what's the one? Uh, did you ever see the people that Archer was based on? No. There was a really funny, like, there was one or two people that were the sources of the Archer faces and the Archer characters. And I thought, you know, like, Aisha Tyler kind of looks like her character and, like, Chris Parnell kind of looks like his character. But it, like, wasn't even them. But, yeah. I'm sure they based it off of Katie Sackhoff, who, of course, is from Battlestar Galactica, most famously, and kind of comes in as a badass woman familiar with space. So she's perfect to play Bo-Katan. Obviously, Bo-Katan was, the, was, a man, was on Mandalore. She was a, uh, a would-be ruler of Mandalore. Uh, she overthrew... The Duchess Satine, who was the love interest of one Obi-Wan Kenobi once upon a time, even though Jedi aren't allowed to have feelings. Mm. Turns out the old Obi-Wan was had himself a little crush going on with Duchess Satine, who was a pacifist. And so you had all of these other Mandalorians who were like, that's bullshit. We are a warlike people. Uh, we should not shy away from our culture and our heritage. And so they sought to overthrow Duchess Satine and her pacifist government and they teamed up with darth maul or at this point he's just maul and he's uh really a, a growing figure in the underworld of under under uh of organized crime 
And so he helps these various factions of Mandalorians overthrow Satine. He kills Satine because he hates Obi-Wan. He feels like Obi-Wan is the one that ruined his life. I mean... And, I mean, he kind of did. He did. <laughs> I mean, like, look, look, one thing about Maul, like, he's kind of justified. A lot he's 100% justified. Like, he hates the Emperor and he hates Obi-Wan. And, like, how can you blame him? <laughs> Basically, Maul double-crosses them and he assumes the mantle of, you know, King of Mandalore, whatever it is. Uh, and so the Jedi have to come help uh, Bo-Katan overthrow Darth Maul. Uh, Maul. And then uh, she takes over. And in uh, in Rebels, we you know kind of get a little bit of another kind of scene on Mandalore. And she gets control and she gets the Darksaber, which is what we saw Giancarlo Esposito's character hold in the end of the season finale for season one of the mandalorian it's that lightsaber that looks black um that is a ceremonial blade and whoever holds it rules mandalore uh which is why bo is hot to try to get this thing back um we also find out so for those of you guys who aren't star wars fans you might have you know like mando be like oh why is she taking her helmet off for those of us who are Star Wars fans, this whole, like, you can't take off your helmet thing was a new thing. We'd never heard of this because Mandalorians had their helmets off all the time. Pre Vizsla and, and Satine and, and Sabine Wren and all these other characters that appear in the other animated shows, they always appear with their helmets off. So it was kind of weird for this all of a sudden to be a, a big thing. And it turns out, as we know now, it's because... You know, Mando, who is technically not Mandalorian, he's an orphan who was raised by Mandalorians, but he was raised by crazy cultists. He was raised by the, uh, what's it called, the Nexium yep. of Mandalore. She refers to him as a child of the Watch, meaning Death Watch, a cult of religious zealots that broke away from Mandalorian society. Their goal was to reestablish the ancient way. I loved how she flipped that on him. That was incredible. Oh, you're a fucking weirdo, she basically called them. <laughs> you're raised by weirdos. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. Pre, uh, by the way, Pre Vizlo is the leader of Death Watch. And so someone, I, I was reading about this online, someone said in season one of The Mandalorian, there is a member of the coven named Vizla, last name Vizla. So Yeah, I remember that. He might be related. We don't know yet. So... Uh, Bo-Katan says, saved you, uh, and I know where the Jedi are. I can help you get to the Jedi, but first you got to help me. And in order to help her, she wants to hijack a, uh, a shipment full of, uh, weapons that the Empire or the ex-imps, I should say, are, uh, trying to get sent somewhere else. Yada, yada, yada. They hijack the thing. And, uh, you know, she's trying to find, as I said, uh, Giancarlo Esposito's uh, Moff, the character of... Uh, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, because he has the Darksaber, uh, but they don't find it. Either way, he helps her. She tells him, go to the planet of Corvus and go look for a Jedi named Ahsoka Tano. Dun, dun, dun! This is probably the second biggest cliffhanger of the end of an episode since seeing 
a very hairless Boba Fett in the end of uh, episode one of season two. I mean, they've been packing it in in season two, honestly. This is a lot, man. This is a lot of stuff. Someone pointed out to me that looking at the credits for the different episodes this season, it is going. It looks like uh, we're not going to see Ahsoka Tano next episode, but rather the episode after it, because episode 13, which is episode 5 of season 2, Dave Filoni both writes and directs it. And he's the one who created Ahsoka Tano, so it only makes sense that the only episode that he would write or direct is going to be the one Interesting that has Ahsoka in it. Yeah. So ne- next week is, uh, is actually directed by Carl Weathers. How about that? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. We haven't even seen him in this season yet. That's not so yet, funny. Not yet. Well, then he's They're probably pop- back next season or next go, episode. Yeah. That's how you do it. <laughs> the rest of Bo-Katan's crew is Casca Reeves and Axe Woves. Yeah. Casca Reeves is played by WWE wrestler Sasha Banks. And Axe Woves is played by Simon Cassianides. I do not know who that is, but... They seem to like to get these like MMA fight trained women. And Casca Reeves didn't even really like throw down that hard, but maybe she'll come back and fuck some more shit up. They talked about how much they love having Gina Carano have fighting background to make all of her action scenes a lot more believable and not have to use a stunt double and, you know, She's actually helped them with the choreography, saying, no, it wouldn't happen like that. If you were fighting like this, this would happen and things like that. So it, it definitely lends to the realism. Uh, and it's not like, especially in the, in the case of Sasha Banks, it's not like she had a bunch of lines, right? Like, right. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about, like, hey, could she, could she act? Yeah, and they're known as the Night Owls, and I like the way that they used her to identify the dark saber and clearly she's in some sort of two-step with moff gideon so mando doesn't have to come in direct into direct conflict with moff gideon right away he can you know she can take a crack at him or we can kind of learn about it through them so i thought that was clever the scene that I thought we could have cut was Baby Yoda watching the egg hatch and then like (laughs) the puppet, like the weirdest little frog puppet in the bowl. (laughs) They didn't want to leave. You know, that's how kids are, man. You know, they like they start playing. It's like, oh, it's my best friend. Like you just met. (laughs) Relax. It looked like one of those like inflatable sponges. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite part is as he's walking out, Mando says, I already have or one pet is enough for me or something like that. So like, I don't know if that's the baby was, you know, wanting to have a playmate or, or if he was just kind of just talking, but I thought that was, uh, that was a nice touch. Uh, you know, it's a little bit like picking your kid up from daycare. Mm-hmm. Some things that we still need to know. We need to know what happened to Mandalore. What was the purge? How did they get purged? Also, Mando doesn't want to go back to Mandalore. Says that place is cursed. So uh, I'm kind of interested to see what um, what actually happened. Do we think that when Mando was taken by Death Watch, they were under the control of Darth Maul at that point? Do we think like Mando 
has any sort of knowledge of Darth Maul. As he mentioned earlier, she asked him, what do you know? The Jedi is like, nothing. Doesn't know. Never even heard of this shit. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, his, his ignorance is both shocking and very believable, right? Right. If you're not around it, you're not around it. So how are you supposed to know? So I've always loved that because it, it speaks to like how big the galaxy is. Like you can, like there's some shit that people have, just haven't heard about, especially in a wild and crazy time, like the fall of the empire. I mean, this is three years after the fall of the empire. This isn't like it just happened last week. So everyone's just kind of like, I'm just trying to get by, man. I'm not, I'm not here to try and figure out all these grand kind of mystical things. And as we know from that time period, I mean, even if the people who had heard of it, they're like, they don't really believe in that shit, right? Uh, was it you that I was having this this conversation with about may the force be with you? Why would you say that if... Right, yeah, that was yeah. last episode. Yeah. Just as a colloquialism. Yeah. Something you say, man. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the children of the Watch are kind of fundamentalists. Yes, they are. Get back to the basics and don't mess with this new, this new stuff. I enjoyed the... Uh, the stormtroopers with the heavy repeating blasters, that is a, if you've played uh, Fallen Order, you know that that is an asshole that you really want to get rid of real quick. The guy with the repeating blaster because it is, it does a lot of damage and it shoots a lot over and over again. Uh, the There's another joke at the expense of stormtroopers and their aim as... Axe Wolves says something along the lines that they couldn't hit the broadside of a Banta. Banta is those big um, buffalo-looking thing that the Tusken Raiders ride. Uh, if you remember, they tried to lure the crate Dragon into eating one, and instead it ate a Tusken Raider. Uh, the, someone pointed this out. Everything in the, in the ship, which is a Gozanti-class cruiser, Again, this has been introduced before in Star Wars Rebels. Um, is designed like the Death Star and the Star Destroyer designs of the original Star Wars movies. Uh, there's a lot of, there seems to be a, a really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like concerted effort to make all of the technology and electronics to be anachronistic with the time of, with the time it, it came out. Meaning, if you look at when they're coming up on Trask, the, the alert that goes up, go back and watch Star Wars when they're coming up on where Alderaan's supposed to be, it's the same noise. Uh, if you look at the screen, it's the screens are very, they look very similar to the screens that you'll have seen in the original trilogy. The idea being that like, you know, Technology hasn't improved that much. It's kind of like uh, uh, in Rogue One where uh, she uploads the plans, and the plans, of course, look like the plans that we saw in the original Star Wars. And why wouldn't it? Even though the original Star Wars, the technology looked like it did because that was the best technology the filmmakers had at the time. And obviously we have way cooler stuff at our disposal now, but you have to be true for the continuity's sake of the time period. And so they do a great job of that. Same thing with uh, Bo-Katan's comlink. She's holding the old school comlink uh, mic, like the one that uh, Luke and C-3PO and Han were using back in A New Hope. Uh, 
what am I missing there, Maze? I feel like I covered almost everything here. This episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. She also directed the Sanctuary episode in season one. Not a huge Bryce Dallas Howard fan myself, but this was a good episode for her. And did you catch the visual reference to her father's film Apollo 13 when the Razor Crest was entering the atmosphere, I mean? The flames... As everything the flames and they cut to they have like a close up of like some machinery like sweating a lot and then it crashes into the water so it's it's almost a shot for shot tribute to that it's pretty cool I, I thought she did a good job this, this last year she had a very she had a very philorific episode yes yes the one that introduced uh, the village of people yeah. Paradoon and all that. Mando's opportunity to maybe, you know, just hang up his blaster and settle down with the the farming lady. That episode was philorific, but this year she came correct. This one was a great one. Written by, was it Favreau who wrote this one? Yep, Favreau wrote. Favreau's written every episode thus far. Um, But that changes, as I said, in a couple episodes when Dave Filoni both writes and directs. Episode five of season two. The Imperial captain was Titus Welliver, who's another former Deadwood guy. He's also the man in black from Lost and the star of Bosch. The eponymous Bosch. I don't know what that is. Exactly. It's like an Amazon show that somehow got to six seasons. Six seasons? Yes. Uh, One thing I did feel the need to bring up. You know, he gives the Mon Calamari repairman a thousand credits to do the best he can, I suppose. And I'm not saying it doesn't look like shit. I mean, it looked terrible. He's got like fishing line and nets in the cockpit. Oh, God. Bailing wire and bubblegum, almost literally. But there's more than a little bit of racism (laughs) from Mando when he says... Damn Mon Calamari. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, but again, that, that is, I think, true to Star Wars, right? Like, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a tension beneath a lot of like interspecies kind of uh, interactions where everyone's just kind of like the same thing with the Gungans. Nobody, nobody respects Gungans and stuff like that. So. Yeah, no, but it's funny, man. He gave him a thousand credits, man. What you got? He tied this shit up with some string? Yeah, the poor Razor Crest has had a rough season. So I, I hope we get to a, a good repair shop. I don't even know. He, he needs a lot of work on that thing at this point. The carbon scoring is, uh, is a little high. Also, how tough is Beskar? That dude took it to the chin. Yeah, when they were taking a lot out. of shots. His plan was just like, all right, guys, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna sacrifice myself and just take repeat, repeater fire, and toss these two thermal detonators. Oh, that was a, that was the the scene that I laughed at. They're working their way to the cargo hold, and so the the guy in the back says, "Shut the door, shut down all the doors." And then oh, he, that pussy, yeah. <laughs> he radios to the captain. He says, "We we we've got him trapped. We got him." Says, "Where?" Where? Mission the accomplished. Cargo, the cargo hold control area. He said, where? The cargo hold control. <laughs> it just ejected them all, man. I was like, oh, you stupid fuck. Yeah, this episode hit hit notes like that that were very Star Wars-y. And that's what was so good about it. it you know, it was 35 minutes, but we had a whole 
set piece on that ship. We had the the temporary swallowing of Baby Yoda. And we got a lot of mythology debunked. We know where we're headed for this season. Now we know Ahsoka is real. She's in the show, so it's, it, I'd be surprised now if it's not Rosario Dawson. The return of my mortal enemy, Rosario Dawson. I love her. I love her even more knowing that yeah. she basically shit on you <laughs> once upon a time. Uh, at a gas station, right? Was that the story? The gas station on the way to Burning Man. Yep, there you go. Um, so we know all that's going to happen. We know, obviously, that the, you know, at the end of season one, I the dark saber. I knew it would factor in. I just so this guy barely knows what the fuck his life, his culture, life is about. How's he going to know what the dark saber is? But now it makes sense. Now we've got someone who's going to, who is actively hunting down Moff Gideon and, and deservedly so because he has what is hers. Uh, what are we looking forward to, mates, for next episode? I really wish they would give us like just a glimpse. I know what they're trying to do, but damn, man, just give me a taste. I have a bad feeling we're going to have another filler filler on the way to Ahsoka Tano episode. If you're, I, I like your theory that because it's double Filoni, for chapter 13 that the chapter 12 we might not quite get to Caladan on Corvus just yet so probably another creature I'm I'm waiting on the baby Yoda moment you know uh, to use the force again they're really like they're really parceling this out like it's been three episodes he's eating some eggs step it up step it up Yiddy. I mean but I think when you think about it like he's not he didn't do much in in season one he had more like legitimately memeable cute moments I, I need a little bit more than just like some reaction shots or just like him staring at some eggs or like a weird inflatable frog baby step it up yeti you need yeti to do something do, do, do the force do the force <laughs> thing again do the hand thing like car weather said one of my favorite i know a lot of people hate the the new trilogy but like one of my favorite lines is when they're trying they're on star killer base and trying to figure out like how how are we going to do this? And and uh, Finn says, we'll use the force. <laughs> and Hans, I was like, that's not how that shit works. <laughs> he just, he just, we'll use the force and just sit back and wait for it to do everything for you. Like, it's not how any of this works. Yeah, that's actually, here's my other uh, thought. We, we got to get Gina Carano back, I probably think, with yes, Carl I'm, Weathers. So that's my prediction think, for next episode. Yeah. I think next episode we'll see Gina Carano, we'll see Carl Weathers. Will they be on the same planet that they were before, on a new planet? What's what's the status of the uh, the Bounty Hunters Guild? Obviously, shit kind of went down at the end of season one. Just a little bit. So I'll be interested to see how they've uh, evolved and how they move forward. I want to know what Ahsoka Tano's been doing. Because I think one of the, the funny things, I know it's not going to happen next episode, but Maze, yeah, think about it. The last we saw of Ahsoka Tano was three years, two years before the Battle of Yavin, right? Where she's gone off to go find what happened to Ezra Bridger. Meanwhile, we had like a whole revolution happen, a civil war and like, and Jedi and all this stuff like, hey, Ahsoka, you want to chip in at any point? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same, you know, problem that they had with, it's like, what's Luke been doing? <laughs> 
What's Luke been doing between trilogies here? At this point, he's creating the Jedi Academy, right? He's, well, yeah, started- I mean, right. I know right now, but I'm just saying, like, when they when they introduced him again in, in Last Jedi, uh, or at the yeah. end of The Force Awakens, it's like, what you been up uh, to, man? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because there was a symmetry in Ahsoka not being alive, right? That Vader killed her on Malachor. Mm-hmm. Uh, as she basically sacrificed herself to let her uh to let her uh to let Ezra and uh and Kanan Jarrus escape. And so when they brought her back, and albeit like the way they brought her back, I didn't feel like it was cheap or kind of or Game of Thronesy, like, oh he's alive again. Like they brought her back in a very kind of elaborate, intricate way. I always thought in my brain, like, but now you've got, you get into the problem of, which is something that during Rebels, I remember I would text Freddie Prince Jr. all the time, bro, how, how are you going to die? Is Vader going to cut you up? Like, you, you got to die. Because there's no way there's a galactic civil war happening led by the Jedi. And like, oh, we got a couple of Jedi here, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you guys got this one. We're, we're fine. Especially when you consider how active they were in the rebellion, right? Yeah, where where Ahsoka has a code name, Fulcrum, and and uh, Mon Mothma knows her, and, and you know, like you you can't be that deep in the game, and then when this thing really pops off because the Chosen One has come up, you just know where to be found. The only explanation is you're not alive. Yeah, I mean, but Jedi do kind of seem to do this thing where they head off to a planet and just kind of hang out. You know, Yoda, Obi-Wan. Yeah, but they did until Luke. until Luke presented himself. And then everyone kind of chipped in. Like the idea that the Dark Lord of the Sith is ruling the galaxy and we've got a chance to change that. But Ahsoka's like, not now. I got to go find Ezra. That's <laughs> a little like... <laughs> Yeah, she must not have been up on her current events. Yeah. She went off the grid, like, wait, you know? She's like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what happened? And it was his father? <laughs> wait, 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 Anakin had a kid? And he didn't tell me? <laughs> he had two kids? <laughs> I must have missed that Christmas card. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, thanks for inviting me to the to the gender reveal, guys. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. So what the fuck you been up to? I'm telling you, it's just going to be like I was. I was cut off from the force. I was. Also gonna, it was very cloudy and I, I had to spend some time alone meditating. <laughs> I, no, but I, I kind of like this that this to be the new kind of thing for all Jedi when they don't want to do something. It's a mid Jedi crisis. We've been hitting you up, man. Where you been at? Oh, man, I was cut off from the force, man. My phone. My it's phone like died. that dighead Jared Leto. <laughs> Just came back from the desert to hear about the coronavirus. <laughs> was this real? Yeah, you didn't see that shit? Oh, my God, it was the worst. He's like, I was in a eight-day uh, silent meditation retreat in the desert, and I've come back to all this devastating news, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, shut up, Jared. Wait, he claims that, like, in March he went away on a, on a retreat and came back and the world ended, basically? Yes, yes. So he could chime in about two weeks late <laughs> with his <Fuck> thoughts. 
Fuck you, Jared Leto. Fuck you, Ahsoka Tano. Fuck you, Luke Skywalker. The rest of us have been struggling out here. This has been Rule of Two Maze. As always, I gotta kill you at the end of this episode, but don't worry. We brought back to life like Ahsoka Tano, and then you can just ignore my calls saying that you could all be the first. This time I'm flipping it on you. I say long live the Empire, and I just try to crash the ship straight into the, the planet. That's my move this week. Attaboy. boy.